Welcome to the Rural Revitalization Network podcast, and I am your host, Pastor Rob Beckett. The Rural Revitalization Network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Welcome to this episode. Today we are going to be talking with Rhonda Matheson. She is the author of Desperate, uh, the book for his presence. It says God's designed to transform your life and your city. And one thing for this book, uh, Rhonda uh, had wrote it some years ago, and our DS had given it to us as pastors at a Christmas retreat or something. And I read this book, and it really, really helped me in my understanding of uh, where churches are that uh, that are in need of revitalization. And so today we have uh, Rhonda as our guest, and we just want to welcome her today, and we just want to uh, talk about uh, some of the things about the book, uh, how churches have gotten into uh, the state that they're in. Uh, uh, it wasn't uh, overnight. It was through time, and we just want to uh, discuss some of these things today. So join us in our episode Welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah. So uh, as I just uh, talked about, uh, your book has just been um, a wonderful resource for myself, and I've been trying to um, tell people all I can about the book that that are are pastoring in churches Mm -hmm. that are uh, in the plateauing, declining, or, you know, even dying, churches that are dying. But the thing is, this book is good for any church at any stage in their life. It's not just, matter of fact, uh, the ideal thing would be that they would have this uh, hunger for God uh, long before the decline or plateauing starts. And so can you just tell us just uh, briefly what, how the book came about, what was on your heart, how, the God, how God had led you uh, into this book? Yeah, sure. Um, I want to add another category to the condition of the churches. And that would be, or two categories. One is boring Mm. or compromised. Wow. You know, there's so much going on in the church today. And we have neglected our first love. It's basically the root of all of it. I wrote the book based on my own journey, having been in the nations, being involved in revival and transformation for many, many years, and, and seeing what it was like when the presence of the Lord was active and in the church, in the ministry, in a way where you saw the fruit of the kingdom. And I, it just ruined my life. And I, I started asking questions, you know, why, why was it, you know, why was the Lord so strong in his presence in these other places? And why didn't we see that kind of spiritual activity in the United States? And so I wrote the book really just to express my own uh, desire for that, trying to understand that process of what was going on. And the book actually became a bestseller uh, fast. And the reason is what I hear more than anything is it, it, um, it gave me words for what was going on in my own heart. Mm. And then I realized I wasn't alone. A lot of people are looking for more. They're hungry for more, right. and they're not sure what's wrong. So that that's why I wrote the book. 
So, uh, and I think you hit a, a key thing there is that it is hard to talk about, to express, to uh, write about uh, something that you haven't truly experienced. You may have some head knowledge about it, sure. and we may have uh, head knowledge about what we're supposed to do, but until you're actually experiencing, yeah. I believe that's the reason that, uh, uh, you know, in the Gospels or in the, in the New Testament, it tells us that we are going to go through troubles and trials and struggles and all these things. Paul tells us about that. Peter tells us about that. James tells us about that. And the thing is, it's not so that we we have to um, you know pay our penance for for whatever it may be, but it's to actually help us to grow us to to help us to understand so that we don't get in that state again in, in that yeah. particular situation. So if we are made aware of through these things, then we're then we're able to speak into it, and just like for yourself, you're able now to speak into other people, other church leaders, other pastors, and and you can speak these things into them. Yeah, and I think also the other purpose of the trials and the fire and the suffering um, is to make us absolutely dependent mm. on the Lord and on the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I think that's where we've you know, over time, it, like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. We didn't get into the mess overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight. That's true. But after a while, the the Holy Spirit doesn't isn't no longer a priority, and we've learned how to do church without being totally dependent on the Lord. Now that's a really a scary thought, mm. and most people wouldn't um, even think about that because we presume. He's there. So what I like to do is ask people questions. You know, is there evidence that his man, which we need to define is mm -hmm. his manifest presence, but is there evidence? And if not, where is he? Where did he go? And then how do we draw? How do we make him our first love? When you see the early church in the book of Acts, they lived in constant, absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. When you look at the church in the Western world, it's just not where we are. We've become a product of the culture around us, of our busy lives, of our own agendas. We've neglected his presence. Mm. And, you know, we've just gotten off the center of the road and we're in a ditch on one side or another. So for for the North American church, uh, yeah. churches in America, so it's almost as if I had this picture in my mind as you were saying that, that at one time God's hand, God's presence was in the church, helping the church Absolutely. and growing the church. But isn't it almost like we're living off the residue? Now, I don't know if you get that picture. So we're, God's presence has left our church, but we're trying to live off the residue of his presence. In other words, what's left over from his presence, just like when Moses came down from the mountain, uh, Moses was not standing right there in the presence of God anymore, but he had that, he had that glow about him, that residue. That, yeah. that, does that make sort of sense? And so, and so I think maybe today in the churches today, what are, is so chronic and many of the churches today, we're trying to live off the residue of mm. what 
when God was in our particular the church, the good old days, the the, good the, old days. the heyday, the the glory days. Reputation. Yes, mm-hmm. and so do you think maybe that's where a lot of people are trying to live in that? Absolutely, and we don't know what's wrong, you know. And I think you know one of the things I do early in the book is I define what we mean by manifest presence mm. because he's omnipresent mm. everywhere at one at all the time. Mm. He's a, there's an indwelling presence. He's always living inside of us. But what I'm talking about in the book is the manifest presence or the glory of God. Right. And that's something we're lucky if we even have mm. residue of that, unfortunately. Mm. Mm-hmm. You get that in a period of revival. Um, but we're kind of living in in kind of a system, a religious system. But we're longing for more. And the good news is that's really fixable and it doesn't take long, but we have to diagnose the problem before we can give it a right prescription. So we have to be honest with ourselves. And that's really what the book does. It looks at, okay, where are we really? What is the problem? So we can, so we can address it. I mean, hopefully we want to address it because the Lord is longing to send revival and do all kinds of amazing things. Um, but we need his presence to do all of that. Our, our own efforts and agendas and programs, everybody's tired mm. and there's not much fruit. Mm. That's, that's good. Because uh, I, I know that even myself lately, I've been writing and doing some things. And, and that's where I'm in the process now is, is talking about that, you know, what God requires for revival in these churches mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. to recognize. And but part of that is to remember because in his, in scripture he gives us a pattern for for how us to be restored we are to remember look back on what what was uh to recognize the state we're in or the place we're in but then also to repent yeah. that we're re- to repent of that turn around and and yeah. to get back in that and that's where this book helps us to for that repent uh, for all those stages, but especially for because we can talk about recognizing it, remembering it, knowing where we was, but it won't do no good until we start making that turnaround okay. and going back to it. And so I thank you for this book for just it helps us do that. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, I uh, read uh, actually it's very early on. It's still even in the introduction of it, and it says we have a responsibility as the people of God, to carry out for his presence to fill our communities uh, towards that end. And the church is, is not meant to be a spectator on the sidelines, but God yeah. is inviting us into full partnership with yeah. this end, end, uh, end of the age drama. And, yeah. and that yeah. is absolutely, uh, we are not to be sitting on the side. We are to be yeah. in the thick of things. Actually, exactly. we're the we're the to to be the representations of His presence exactly. in our communities because so many people, you know, you hear this um, this phrase all the time, but that you're the only Bible or the only Jesus anybody knows, and it's it's actually a truth. It is a truth yeah. um, that we are to be His representation. We are to be His ambassadors. We are to be His reflection. We are to be all these things, and and the church today. Um, is so um, anemic and so uh, impotent and so lack of power. And, yeah. and so that's mm-hmm. what this is it's to help. Problem. You know, it's not the church. The church is made up of people. And 
the first thing that you know the bible says without a vision people perish and they really do it's not just the unbeliever mm -hmm. so as a believer if i lose my vision if i lose my first love devotion then i go to church to go through the motions mm. so yeah. we have churches full of people that are going through the motions and just putting all the responsibility on the pastor to make something happen revival at its core is rediscovering that first love devotion so that's a journey we all need to go on because whether you're in church on a sunday or you're at work on a tuesday morning we should have that living water on the inside of us you know so i think what people need first is vision for what mm. is possible because it's an exciting life with god it's a overflow it of is. who he is and it's an amazing way to live yeah, it's the, the I've been a Christian for 27 years now. So, and this uh, this walk, this part of my life, uh, I didn't always in the beginning of that those 27 years, uh, I didn't always full live to the fullest of what God has for me. You know, every one of us, uh, we're promised in Scripture that that God wants us to live to the fullest, and yeah. and so many of us live beneath that, uh, yeah. and uh, since. Uh, especially the past 10 years and that devotion, that desire, that hungry, that, that all those things. And my life is so rich and so yeah, good, good now. Yeah, same for me. And uh, so, and that's what I, and, and that's what my heart is. I, I see other, talk to other uh, pastors, leaders, uh, people in churches, and, and they're just almost like Eeyore's. Uh, that when you talk to them and it's like, man, it doesn't have to be like this. No, it, it doesn't. It can be to the fullest of what God has for you. And, yeah. and so, yeah, so that's good. Um, in, in your Also in your book, I, I wanted to quote uh, something else. It says, this, the stale quality of our religious lives is a direct result of the lack of the holy desire in our hearts. It is. There are... Um, I believe that the churches that are, are that are suffering, that are dying, that are declining, that are uh, going through these things, you know, I, I feel like if you tell someone, it's well, it's because God isn't in in your services, in you, in in everything like it was before. They would be offended and say, "How <laughs> dare you? How <laughs> dare you say that? We're yeah. we're we love God. We pray. Yeah. We come together. We do all these things." But yeah. what they're they're realizing, just like somebody that is overweight or they're sick or whatever it may be, it doesn't happen happen overnight. It's a gradual thing that you don't right. even realize how uh, bad shape you are until one you know one day you realize that that light bulb comes on and says, "Man, I'm I'm not in good shape." Well, many churches have are uh, still needing to wake up and realize, "Hey, we're not in good shape." How how long has has it been years since someone has come to the altars or been converted, um, uh, become followers of Christ? When was the last time you had baptisms? When was the last time you sat in a service, and you felt that manifest yeah, presence in your service? Um, mm -hmm. uh, so many years, I think that decades go that yeah. churches go for decades without experiencing this true manifest presence of God. And then they wonder why can't why can't we get new people to come? Why can't we get families to come? Why can't we get right. children in the church? Right, and they're they're trying to fix it in their own human wisdom. 
And this is not a natural problem. This won't be solved by a clever program or some new worship leader. We're trying to fix it in our own human wisdom. And we have to recognize, you know, the Bible is clear about what the church is supposed to be on the earth. And it's supposed we're supposed to be bearing much fruit. So if we measure, we have to measure our effectiveness by our fruit, because that's how Jesus measures it. We have to have the humility to say, wow, it's not so impressive. Yes, we love God, but no, we don't have any fruit. And then we come to the Lord in humility. Will you help us? Hmm. And we start making our way back to a place of dependency. And that's where he meets us. As long as we're trying, we're going to try to do it on our own. He will step aside, you know. Yeah. When we try to do it in human efforts, uh, we're going to get human results. And what exactly. we and what we need Not is 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 God effort with God results. That's okay. what we need in our churches, um, mm-hmm. and so and that's where you're able to uh, speak into these things for us. Uh, again, um, the book is just uh, I, I recommend it. Uh, I'm take I take it everywhere at conferences and and tell people about it. Uh, one thing that uh, I use, matter of fact, there's because of the book and something you said in it, but. Many times uh, in our in my sermons, I feel like God prompts me and talk and talks about these things. Wake up, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jesus told the churches as as he was writing to them. Basically, he's telling them, "Wake up! I know your works, and it That's should right. be a wake up call to us." And what yeah. I when I talk about, it, I said, "Are I ask my people, is are you desperate for the presence of God in your life?" And and of course, a lot of people will nod their heads and all that, and I'm like. No, I don't think you know what I mean. If if I came up to you right now, and if I put my hands around your neck and choked off your airway, you are absolutely going to do everything in the world. You're going to kick, scream, scratch, do anything because you're so desperate to get that next breath. I said, what we need to do in our lives and in the church life and, and in our uh, everyday lives is we want to have God's presence with us so bad that it's like gasping for that that next breath mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. need to be gasping for the next breath of God because it all belongs to him anyway. Yeah. And we yeah. need to be uh scratching, clawing and saying God, I can't I don't want to live this way. This I want to live with you uh breathing through me. Hey, the problem though, and I rec- I recognize this in my own life it's really frustrating. We can't make ourselves desperate. Mm. He will allow us to go our own way. That's mm-hmm. frustrating. I wish he wouldn't. I wish right. he would grab us by the throat, <laughs> but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So what I have discovered is what I can do is bring him my heart. Mm. You know, Revelation chapter three, Lord, it, it's cold. I'm a, I'm lukewarm. I don't know how to get back to you again. He's so his kindness leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. So most people, honestly, are not desperate. No. And you can't make yourself desperate. But no. we can say to the Lord, change me, mm-hmm. help me. Mm-hmm. I want more. Will you help me? I think it's that posture that he starts responding to little by little, spending a little bit more time with them during the day, changing the worship in the church a little bit, listening more. There's some things we can do to give him more time more room and more attention so he can come in and then we get a drink 
Yeah. And just a little drink of the water, then, you know, in your natural thirst, if you don't drink water, you lose your thirst. Mm. So we need a drink of living water little by little. And then we remember, oh my gosh, I am thirsty. I do want more. And we rediscover. Otherwise, we just feel condemned. Yeah, I don't care. I don't really have any desire for the Lord. Right. I've been there. You right. know, he needs to help us get there. Yeah, good, good. Well, I really appreciate you being with us today and, and uh, uh, discussing the, the need that, that we have and, and a little bit just a taste of how we can uh, uh, turn and, and seek after him, just like uh, the deer. Mm -hmm. You know, the deer pants for the water. Well, we need to be panting. You know, I want to live my life with my tongue hanging out, panting yeah. for God. I want more. Yeah. I want another drink. And so um, I just want to thank you today for being on. There's actually, we're going to uh, catch us uh, next week for our next episode. And we're going to continue on this discussion uh, with Rhonda Matheson. And we just really appreciate you being with us today. And, um, and it's just really be encouraging. And we uh, know that you can go to Rural Revitalization Network, uh, the new webpage, and you can go on there and you can click on resources. You can click on listen to this podcast, articles. Uh, you can take assessments for your church. Um, there are upcoming events, uh, conferences, seminars, uh, different things that you can go to that you can get help. Know that you can reach out and uh, we will try our best to uh, give you the things, the tools you need to be able to help turn your church around. And we are here for you. Know this, that you are not alone. You're not no, in this alone. You're amen. not God's with you and we're with you. So we mm -hmm. want to stand beside you. We want to walk with you. And uh, we want your church to be a representation of God and his presence in your community. Amen. That's so good.